0: If you have something to say, I'd like to hear it. I want a divorce. Are you asking me for a divorce? Divorce? I will divorce you so fast, it'll make your head spin. I want a divorce. 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 I want, a divorce. I want, a divorce. I want a divorce. This is Dallas Divorce Talk, with Don Butner and Carly Calabrese. Don and Carly guide you deep inside the world of divorce, through all the ins and outs, ups and downs, and any unexpected turns. Now, your hosts, to have and to hear, Dawn Budner and Carla Calabrese. This is
1: Dallas Divorce Talk with Dawn Budner and Carla Calabrese on On Air Live. You can go to watchonairlive.com. We are with the law firm Calabrese Huff, where family matters. And we are talking today about how you can avoid becoming a gray divorce statistic. Right, exactly.
2: Carla, briefly. Yeah, briefly. We talked on uh, a different radio show, which we hope you, you listen to, about what a gray divorce is. And just for you know, sake of just um, reminding everybody, um, we're seeing a lot of people divorcing in their twilight years. I mean, that's pretty much what a gray divorce is. People that have been married more than 30, 35 years. Uh, kids have been long gone. Uh, people in their 60s, early 70s. And calling it kaputz.
1: And normally, you know, in the past, when people acted appropriately, they realized, look, you know, when you've hung in there 20 years, 30 years, you just suck it up, okay? <laughs> but for some reason, people seem to think that their lives still matter now when they're <laughs> 60, 70, 80 years old. Yeah. And I'm, I'm being facetious, but the truth is, we are living longer, right? right. Our, you know, population is living longer. Right. And... As a result of that, if you still are going to get married around the, you know, traditional age, which I think 26 is the mean, uh, then that's a lot bigger accomplishment to remain married for 60 years as opposed to 20, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. No Mm -hmm. doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, we see, I think, uh, some unique challenges that That appear in that scenario. And, you know, because one big issue with folks is that just through the passage of time, they grow apart.
2: Right,
0: right.
1: And what we wanted to talk about today is kind of what are some of these main reasons that we're seeing this increase in these gray divorces, as they're called, and what, if anything, can you do to avoid becoming one of them? Right, 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 yeah. Uh, And so with respect to that, the the growing apart concept. Um, What do you think?
2: Well, I think that, um, you know, I do think people do grow apart. What's surprising about the gray divorce is that the gray divorce has significant years between empty nesting and the divorce. Right. So that's what's really, I think the mental health folks that we work with a, a lot are kind of scratching their heads. Like, so why, you know, at, 60, you know, when you, you know, your kids have been gone or, you know, for 10 years that would you, why now? you know, why now? Why so now? let's
1: first, before we jump to that though, state the obvious, which is maybe it makes some logical sense for us to see people who are staying married for 20-ish years, 20, you know, 2022, 20, 20, that kind of thing, yeah. long enough to, to pop kids. out a kid or two and have them go off to college. yes, yes. And then they look at each other and go, Yeah, Yeah. you know, you hadn't. We see a lot
2: of that. We do see a lot, so that's why this is a little different. Because you know, we have a case uh, we wrapped up at the end of last year where the the kids were in their thirties, so that's a long time to be. So what is it? Yeah. Well, you know, every there's there's probably not one reason or one uh, explanation for that, but um, you know, I do think that we do see people who, because they're living longer, in some ri- ways, you see that midlife crisis happen later. So mm. in this, you know, I think in this particular case, I s- definitely saw it as more of a midlife crisis. You know, the younger woman, you know, syndrome, the um, younger woman, yes, the younger Ugh. woman syndrome, that her. definitely, definitely happened in that case. That is still, you know, that that you kind of think you would get past it once you're you're 66. Yeah, seriously, 65. like, don't you guys yeah. get
1: tired? This is my question. <laughs> question to the male Don, listeners. Don's going to segue Come here. On,
2: yes. Anyway, um, so, so um, you know, the, the, but the challenges with the gray divorce are that, you know, when you're 59, you know, 60, 65, I mean, you cannot recoup as, a, as whoever is the one who who stayed home and doesn't have the income, the, the income power, or the earning power. Um, and it's not always like that, but oftentimes it is. All the cases I've seen have 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 had that, that scenario where one person is um, still working maybe at 59 and the other one has been long really not
1: working. Um, it's very so this hu- is something that folks should be taking into account. Listen up, you new young people thinking of getting married, that you really need to be kind of expecting or planning for a, you know, a long marriage. And if at the end of that long marriage, you don't like that person anymore, and you Mm -hmm. decide to get divorced, you know, you need to make some plans for how you're going to survive that financially, right?
2: yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's one of the challenges. And obviously, if people have plenty of money, and we have those cases, too, where there's just plenty of money, and I've, I divorced a lady once. she was 65, and, um, you know, there was plenty of money there, and she was okay. I mean, it, it, financially, right? Is there um, a dating website
1: for really old people? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we should go look on that. That's another question for you listeners. If you know of a dating website for the elderly, we want you to put it on our Facebook page. I may be availing myself. Just kidding, honey.
2: So um, and anyway, what, I think we were going to talk about how to avoid Right, the gray oh, divorce. Yeah. How I do we got, avoid that? Little, um, what do we do to avoid having those? Um,
1: well, I think some of it's be... fall apart
2: in that twilight. Yeah, in exactly. The twilight years.
1: Some of it, you know, and of course, I'm always the geek who's reading all the stuff, the research. Know? Exactly, She's the researcher. I'm just a little obsessive, but some of what they say, which I, I find it so hard to believe, but some of what I'm reading is that some of the qualities that, you know, are not your favorite about your spouse, that actually because of the, you know, amplified duration of the marriage, that those things, you know, wear the other spouse down, whereas, you know, in years past, maybe not. It wasn't just such a long time. And then... Another pitfall, I think, is that when you're with someone for such a long time, that instead of having that passion and excitement, and then you've got kids, and you're going here and there and all that, you just, things become a routine. Yeah. And boring. Right. And so, some ideas for that. First off, here's what I think is the most important thing. This is my favorite thing I always say to my children, is if there is a, a... potential problem if something's bothering you if something's not right shine a light on it Mm. shine a light and i think here too shine a light means be proactive you know think ahead and then figure out what you can do to to steer things in the right direction and you know i think carla now we need to talk about sex (laughs) <laughs> really sex in the marriage i think so i think that there is, needs to well,
2: wasn't this in the research
1: no this i just oh, made up you myself made up? but here's what and this is supported by absolutely no research but i completely endorse it as not just my opinion but solid fact <laughs> and that is if you are a married person who is not having sex at least two times a week <laughs> you're going down <laughs> And we're taking a break. And I'm not kidding, you guys. I'm not kidding. I'm going to say it again when we come back after this break. Seriously, you have to do it twice a week, minimum. <laughs> and with that, a brief break for you to think it over.
0: Don't split. More of Dallas Divorce Talk coming up next. Dallas Divorce Talk. We
1: are back. Dallas Divorce Talk with Dawn Budner and Carla Calabrese. Carla was just talking about sex inappropriately before we left. (laughs) And, you know, she wants to kind of gloss over that now, but I think we should actually refocus on it. Yeah, me too. Don't you, Kevin? Kevin, do you have anything to add on this topic? No, not yet. I'm just here to listen. Okay, good. And learn, I hope. So what I was saying as we, you know, I was embarrassed with what Carla brought up, but I also then kind of made the observation that what, what is the difference? Okay, you guys, you all have a best friend. So here's you and your best friend. I'm drawing like stick figures. There are those two people. And then here's you, and you're with your spouse, and there's that. What is the difference, the main difference in that relationship? Because the truth is, you might actually find it more comfortable to tell your best friend stuff because they're not going to judge you. You're not sharing chores with them properly. And you know they're maybe closer in some respects, but not as close as the other one because the other one involves sex. (laughs) So the thing that makes you a married couple – is sex that's how God did this whole thing? That's why we put up with all the crap we put up with. And so, if you let it slide on the sex, you become like the you and your best friend side, but not as good. <laughs> the friends, yeah, the friends without the friends benefits. that's what you slide into, right? And that is not a marriage,
2: all right? So, let's see if I can get Dawn off the sex talk, but um, the other thing too is, um you know, we're talking about the graying divorce and how to avoid it. And, you know, the graying divorce is where there's been this big time frame between when the kids have gone and, you know, the divorce happens. And I think that, you know, Empty nesting is tough. It's a huge transition. It's a huge change for people in their lives, their personal lives, and their married lives. And um, one thing I was saying earlier, or maybe over the break um, when Don and I were talking, was you know finding those um, hobbies and things that you like to do together. You. You probably ought not to wait until the kids are gone to, to, to locate those things and to find them and and really find them maybe even early on in your marriage or you know find three or four things you love to do together and do them. I mean, even a Saturday night date, a every Saturday night Saturday night date right. can really help a marriage. I mean, really help a marriage, a connecting time. You know, a date whether it be you know just the two of you or you know now and then have some other f- other couples go with you. But seriously, I think that can be so helpful. No, I think
1: everything you're saying, I think, is right and has been mentioned on, you know, all these lists of how-tos, how to stay married for a long time. And I think that anticipating, like you're saying, um, the need to have a basis for connecting with your spouse when it's just the two of you again is so important. And, you know, as a mom, I was i think i'm a little better now but completely guilty of just blowing my husband off and not really <laughs> noticing if he came home or didn't come home or what for multiple years at a time i don't know why he stayed maybe <laughs> because i wasn't bothering him but i didn't know if he was there or not and and that focusing is on focusing on your kids focusing on your kids right. and that is bad for so many reasons yeah, you don't want to get friend-zoned by your wife I know. That's what I'm
2: saying. (laughs) Yeah, I gave some advice to a a client. She became my client uh, ultimately, but um, but she was a friend before she was a client. And um, you know, she said to me when she called and said, "Oh my God, he's he's going to L.A. and he's he's got some woman out there, and you know, what what do I do?" And he's now he's come back and he said he's you know he's not he's done with her and he's going to recommit to me and it's going to be okay. But what do I do? And I said, "You got to stop talking about your kids." For starters, is all I hear you talk about. I don't ever hear you talk about anything other than they're beautiful, they're adorable. I get it. We all think they're charming and lovely, but that's all you talk about. And you got to get to the gym. And I mean, she was just as someone had lost, you know, just didn't care as much about her fitness and her health. And I think, you know. Or just
1: being aware of what's going on in the outside world, like even the news, being interested in politics or interested in, you know, things that are happening out there is better than just yeah. that anyway, one-dimensional. She,
2: she did tell me it was the best advice I'd ever given her, um, even though they did end up in a even divorce. Even though she probably told all of your mutual friends that you were a B-word. <laughs> well, anyway, even though even though um, they ended up in divorce because it ended up all better for her in the long run. But um, but anyway, these are somewhat commonsensical co- uh, concepts, but you know we have a 55-plus divorce rate in this mm-hmm. country. And it's, it's epi- you know, it's 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 an epidemic problem. I well, mean, you it really know is.
1: It is common sense, but that doesn't mean that people think of it.
2: No, right. And
1: especially when you're in that. You right. Know, you're in that moment, and here you are just mesmerized by this perfect creature that God gave you, and you accidentally forget about your spouse who helped God give you that. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think... I think this is why Carla, you and I need to take this on a world tour and force all young people getting married to listen to a few of these things. Because until it's messed up, a lot of people don't yeah. know to look for it. Yeah, they and don't. so I think what we're, the lesson is here that you should never let it get that far, you know, where you forgot your spouse
2: well and the and of course you know we're also talking about moms and kids and i think the other flip side of it is is dads and work sometimes Mm -hmm. and um you know we've had i've had a lot i mean i have a client that just came in literally uh end of last year and he said you know i i blew it i blew it i made a jillion bucks but i was never there and he said, and I, you know, he actually went so far as to completely change his um, th- his job situation. I mean, he actually owned a company. Uh, he owned a law firm. And then he went ahead and sold his firm to a bigger firm, national firm, so that he could literally get home at 6 o'clock every day. Um, and it was too little too late. Oh, that's so, so sad. I So I think that's another you know, problem that that we see is, you know, on the flip side of that, what we were talking about moms and kids and um, is that, you know, we have people who and it's not just men, but who dedicate so much time to their their job right. that they neglect everything. Well, and I mean,
1: I've I've been accused of being a little OCD <laughs> by, with by my kit, not, by not your, just work. By your family. By my family, but also with the New York Times crossword puzzles. But I can't, that is not an addiction. It's good for my brain. That is, it's that is. staving off Alzheimer's, I'm sure of it. But as we're, as we're talking about this, you know, one other thing, Carla, that we've talked about so much is kind of mental health and how that oh, comes yeah, into play good, with yeah. these things. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so do you want to? Well,
2: the, so the graying divorce, right? I mean, one of the things that we know about mental health, and again, you know, I'm not an expert. Obviously, I don't have the degree, but when you're a family lawyer, you kind of have to Know as much as you can about these things, and I spend a heck of a lot of time hanging out with some pretty fabulous mental health professionals who who are experts. But your mental health does not get better as you get older; it gets worse. And so, if you are not paying attention to it, you're not, you know, uh, doing whatever you need to do to deal with whatever, you know, emotional health issues. I mean, they're you know, mental health sounds really scary. It's it's really emotional health issues. those things are not going to get better on their own. So I think we see, uh, I have seen graying divorces where, you know, I've heard, I just can't take that anymore. I can't take the fact that he or she has not dealt with that issue and I'm just not going to do it anymore. And so I think you really have to be, um, uh, you know, understanding of your own mental health and emotional health and Uh, you know, making sure that you're in a good place, even understanding that you may have issues would be right, right. Insight is huge, right. And so, you know,
1: one thing I like to say too, is that I think as we age, that people either go on a path where their mind expands, and they're open to learning new things and considering just alternative ways of thinking and being that they never knew about before, versus just becoming more deeply entrenched in your one way of thinking. Right. And right. kind of having your your focus narrow right. and be less flexible. And I feel so grateful that I am married to a person who is in, so far expander. in camp A. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And and I just being rapidly ADHD yeah. um, myself, I have no choice but to accept all kinds of different ways of thinking, probably several in the same few minutes. <laughs> but that I think if you're open, then you can always keep growing and you know so many times when people I I think divorce can be sad and can be avoided if we understand it as, you know, marriage as kind of the context and environment for us to learn some of the hardest things that we've ever had to learn. Yeah, for sure. You know, and if you buckle up and realize that it's going to suck sometimes, Yep. like you're definitely, and this is the other thing I tell people who are getting married, write down every single thing you like about the other person, like at least 20 things and make 18 copies and laminate them (laughs) and put them in a safe deposit box and stuff like that because- After a certain period of time, you will not remember one single thing on that list, and you will need to consult it. But (laughs) That's a good good idea. It it is a good idea, I'm telling you. And Mm. to have to reconstruct the list from scratch is hard. That's what I had to do. But that's another story. I'm just saying that it is not easy, and if you look at it as an opportunity for growth, and both of you are willing to grow and kind of hold each other accountable for when you're, you know, not acting the way you should and all that. I think there's really an opportunity just to, to you know, stay bonded and connected yeah. throughout. And we don't
2: see, we don't see when we, when you have the divorce that comes into your office, that is not the kind of person you see. The person who wants to grow. I'm not saying never. And I'm not saying both. Right. That is a very common theme is that people are stuck. Yep. They are just stuck, and they can't, they don't know how to get past it, and they they end up you know losing everything, which is it is sad. That's the sad part. I mean, we we, we make our living at divorce, but we are not uh, fond no. of the institution we of be, divorce. We, we are, are the yeah. last yeah.
1: resort because yeah. if someone if someone comes in and they have not turned every stone to try to fix it, yeah. and especially if they have kids, we're sending you home <laughs> with a to do list, people. <laughs> and I think that we may be. Heading for a break? Yes. Okay, we will be back. Dallas divorce talk.
0: More of Dallas divorce talk coming up. At
1: first, I was afraid. I was petrified. I kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then
0: I spent so. Many- Celebrating the sanctity of good radio, this is Dallas Divorce Talk. What you want. I always want to break out the song. Baby,
1: got... Hello, Hello, we are back with Dallas Divorce hey, no, Talk. This is Dawn too. Budner. I'm here with Carla Calabrese. We are lawyers at the law firm Calabrese Huff, where family matters. And we are on On Air Live. You should go to WatchOnAirLive.com and see all or any of our shows. Also on the app. Just want to throw that in there. And how do you get to the app? Uh, you go to the iTunes app store or any app store and just search On Air Live mobile. And it's red and vibrant. It's a and a big lo- red button. It will look very pretty on your iPhone. <laughs> so what we thought we would do in this segment is take some questions from listeners And Kevin is going to share the questions. Sure. Let's uh, pull that up here. We already answered, I believe, on your last show, you answered Renee's question. So we have uh, Dennis in Grand Prairie wanted to know, do fathers have equal rights to mothers for primary conservatorship?
0: Mm, Mm.
2: Great question, Dennis. Great question. Talk Um, about
1: what primary conservatorship is.
2: Yeah, let's start with that. So the presumption in Texas is joint managing conservatorship for parents. Um, That is a hard presumption to overcome. Um, So most clients that come into our office, 95 plus percent, maybe even higher, are joint managing conservators. Um,
1: And the alternative would be that one parent is soul managing, right? Right.
2: One parent would be sole managing conservator, and the other parent would, would be something called possessory conservator,
1: which have much less in terms of rights and yes, that sort yes, of thing. much less.
2: So, um, so primary primary conservatorship or primary parent, or we've heard it called a lot of different, you know, ways, is really what it really means under the Texas Family Code is that if somebody is given the the right to determine the primary residence of the children for public school purposes, that's really what primary parent means. Um, As you can imagine, having the right to determine the primary residence of the children for public school purposes versus the concept or the broad
1: terminology primary parent Boy, I mean, those are two different things, right? Right. Here's here's the simple way of thinking of it. It's not really that big of a deal. There's no such thing almost as there is primary almost, parent. You have yes. all the same rights and duties, except that the one, one parent gets to you know basically say okay. My my residence, my house is the kid's primary residence, so they can go to this public school. Yeah,
2: and it used to be because the, I think the education code or some law that governed uh, would say that the, uh, you know, there had to be a parent who had the primary right to designate so that then that parent would have that's where the kids would go to public school and i know in highland park since we do a lot of divorces you know in highland park folks i mean great school system right fabulous everybody wants their kids to stay there if they're getting divorced from there um so it used to be you know somebody had to have that right well that's changed and now um you know one, all, it just has to be one parent that lives in the uh, district for their children to go there. So the concept has been watered down tremendously over the years. Um, I honestly think it doesn't have much meaning at all. Plus, you don't have to designate that person anyway at right. this point. You can just designate a geographic Location for the children to reside. Um, Lots of kids are in public, uh, private school. Um, We really, I rarely see these days anybody being designated with that right. It's usually silent. Um, and nobody's you know getting that right to designate however in you know years uh, and i'm sure it's still going on um, in different offices than ours there are people fighting over that terminology right. and and spending lots and lots of money i know I, I did over the years before it watered down you know i would and 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 there is no like primary parent in in the in the the case law it just doesn't exist other than Well that. and
1: you know the other thing that i'll say because sometimes I am known to complain about certain things in the Mm -hmm. family law arena, (laughs) litigation and courts. But I do think that Texas has it right on this in terms of a very strong public policy in favor of having each child have a strong relationship with each parent, which means frequent, continuing, meaningful contact with each parent. Right. And I think that the research supports that being in the child's best interest. And I really do think that, you know, in my experience that the courts have their their heart in the right place in terms of, of advocating for that or pushing right. for that. And if is it Dan, was it?
0: Oh, Kevin. Uh, I think it was Dennis. Dennis.
1: Dennis. So I if, if
2: Dennis, Dennis is asking the question, is there any chance for me as a father to get um, you know the, the 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 sole managing conservatorship of my well, children? Well, I think he was
1: saying primary. Well,
2: he said primary, but I'm saying he may be thinking you know that I mean primary you know may, right. he may be thinking more of, along those lines. You know, I think that the answer to that is you know you you know you really have you have to have a mom who's impaired, right? Um, you, you know, and, and that would be the same flip side. Honestly, with respect to um, a mother who asked that question, I mean, in order to get sole managing conservatorship of your children, you've got to have somebody on the other side who um, is pretty darn impaired, right? And 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 it either be addiction or um, any you know or any other impairment that could happen. So, well, and
1: even you know, a person can be an alcoholic, right? And as long as that person alcoholic. is right, yeah. or, or has sought treatment or whatnot, you know, going back and trying to dig up stuff against the other parent yeah. to show that they're, you know, not qualified or whatever to be a joint managing conservator is an uphill battle. Yeah, it and is. they really need to not be able to perform as a parent right now. Yeah, for no, that matter, it would matter, have right? to be somebody
2: with some pretty severe mental health issues. I think, at this point.
1: So you're probably out of luck, dude, on that in terms of soul. <laughs> but on the other, on the primary, if you really is talking about can I be the primary, the answer is yes, either parent can. Um, but typically, it doesn't mean that much also, because you know if you tie it to a geographic restriction, which I imagine if you're fighting over primary designation, you're going to tie it to a geographic restriction, right? Yep. Uh, then it doesn't have a lot yeah like you get to choose what block yeah. I I, mean, I, I, let's put it
2: this way if it or my sister I wouldn't I wouldn't tell her spend any money to try to get it or my brother
1: <laughs> okay gotcha did we really just already use up all of our time Yeah it's time to wrap up awesome Carly you just like can go on and I guess, on sometimes am I, am what I too much <laughs> what is up with that well okay so Dennis I hope we answered your question um, but and if not you can always call us yeah if not call Calabrese, us or Calabrese email Huff. us
2: we are in
1: 214-939-3000 <laughs> or Dawn or Carla at CalabreseHuff.com so please get in touch and thanks for listening go to our Facebook page and ask us more questions